This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung country and we wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. We recognise First Peoples of Australia as the original storytellers of this country and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. You are listening to a semi-precious podcast hosted by uncut and unpolished sisters Amber and Jade. All right, welcome to semi-precious episode five, being a boss bitch and what that means. How do you feel about that term? I'm I'm not a boss bitch. I'm a really kind, gentle, empathic, person-centered therapist. Mm. (laughs) That sounds boring. It's not boring. Would you like to come to a counsellor and sit down? Hey, I'm boss bitch. Sit down. This is what you need to do. Yeah, I think it's just more about the attitude. I don't introduce oh, myself okay. as boss bitch. That's not how you enter your strategist? boardroom. No, no, I don't have any <laughs> credentials documents that say boss bitch. Okay. Um, sorry if any of my clients are listening, which they probably will be at some point. Mm. Okay. So what does it mean to you? Be boss bitch. Mm. Mm. Uh, I suppose the word bitch for me is just sort of about owning that word in a positive way, so that's why I like that term. What is it in a positive way to you? Well, because bitch has always been used in such a negative way to denigrate women. Mm -hmm. They're a bitch. She's a bitch. So owning that and attaching it to your own sense of employment. I think the benefit of running a business, just to jump right in there, Mm -hmm. if you can pay your own wage, like that is a pretty empowered position. Certainly. You know, I think when, you, when you're talking about reframing a negative word or term and you say bitch, you say what is the empowerment there for you in that? It's turning into a counselling session. I can feel it. <laughs> She's got <laughs> counselling voice on, feel? which as we've discussed before is almost soft porn voice as well. <laughs> um Let's hope my clients aren't listening. listening. Yeah, that's true. Sorry about that. Uh, ask the question again. I've now forgotten what you were saying. It's about bitch. What is the quality that I guess makes you a, a strong, empowered, autonomous woman? I don't think it's bitch on its own. I think it's the fusion the of those two. Uh-huh. Is that I am in charge of my own destiny. It's that paying that salary to yourself. Yeah, because anyone can be a boss bitch, but I suppose the way I think about it, well, the the way it has meaning for me is in running a business, being my own boss, making the decisions, being in charge of those decisions. Just a power thing. I like it. You like it. Mm. I guess it's never never felt like me. I've never identified with it. I still probably don't. What would you identify with? In a sense of being a business owner. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess there's the empowerment part for me where I was looking for roles for a long time that felt, and and that is a not empowering place when I was looking for roles and nothing seemed to be right for me. I get to create and tailor how I want to work and what that looks like. So there's the empowerment in, in creating that and not having to fit myself in to something, not having to you know, make those sacrifices. Is that why you started your own business? Yeah, I think so. I was looking for lots of different roles out there and none of them 
seemed to fit who I was and, and what I was about. I think I'm a, a little more informal and relaxed and organic. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but you know, I didn't want a clinical style practice. I wanted a more relaxed environment. I wanted to be, you know, in a collaborative space with the people I work with. And it didn't feel like the other places I was looking and other roles I was looking for weren't really aligned to that. So it made sense to go into private practice and start something on my own. But it wasn't a, it was driven out of a a need to create my own. But I certainly won't say it was that it felt empowering or always feels empowering. It actually can feel really vulnerable and sometimes lonely. Yeah. I mean, maybe the boss bitch for me is actually a current state of play. Okay. Maybe. Because I started for the same reasons yeah. as you did. Yeah, for so sure. So one, when I left a business I'd been in for eight years. I, was that where we worked together? It was where we worked together. We worked together oh. once upon a time in we my did. previous life. That was before you decided to go and change careers. It Working was. with me was so awful that Jay decided to leave. Jump ship. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a bit of a boss bitch back then. Was a bit of a boss bitch. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there the wasn't anywhere. There, yeah, thanks. There wasn't anywhere I really was interested in working at the time. I was a single parent, so I needed a level of flexibility. And I've talked about this a lot in my professional career. And I recently gave an International Women's Day talk to uh, a corporate client of ours, and I spoke about the empowerment that comes from being able to support your family autonomously yeah like that is I just got tingles through my body when you said that Ams. like you know it's why I'm so passionate about gender equity and raising the profile of women in leadership and also about educating girls on financial literacy and Mm -hmm. independence because I see that journey for me, even though I was a single parent and, you know, there's lots of cliches that go with that, but I had a good education. I was lucky enough to have a good education and I had a good job and I had earning capacity that enabled me to have freedom of choices. And so the privilege that comes with that, even though at that time, from a relationship perspective, you know, I was fleeing a domestic violence situation and, you know, it was a really Mm. complex environment imagine going through that with all of the bullshit that goes with you know separating from a psychotic drug addicted moron it's probably many people have identified with that yeah but for sure so imagine going through that but then not having the earning capacity and having to just rely on Centrelink or uh, mm-hmm. you know just a job that didn't pay particularly well and well, where it didn't have much flexibility that can be the difference between having the choice to stay or mm. leave yeah. for many, for for many, many women. People. So so there's financial independence and financial literacy and competency is something you're quite passionate about for it women is. And it is. so that they have a choice. You have a choice, yeah. You can choose mm-hmm. to leave and have the confidence that you can support those children or yourself if you have no children, mm-hmm. that you can actually support yourself. I think for me... The boss bitch is like a reflective, I've done that, I've taken the step. And since ADHD diagnoses, I suppose I've also identified that that risk-taking behaviour can be um, mm-hmm. can be typical 
of people with ADHD and sometimes that shows up in different ways for different people. So sometimes that risk taking might be in being more promiscuous or more taking, you know, social risks, for example. I'm probably less in that camp, but more in taking business risks and backing myself, which is Can really I trade the I risks? Because mine are all the bad, <laughs> crappy risks that didn't actually get me very far. Uh, and almost cost me my life several times. Mm. And yours are the, I'm just going to dive in and take that risk and just see where I land. And go for it. I guess there's a certain amount of foolhardy bravery in there. Yes. And I do remember thinking to myself back in that time, so this was 2011 when I started my business, and I remember thinking, what is the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is, you know, the project falls over and you can't deliver. We tend to catastrophize. So, all right, let's run with the catastrophizing. Mm. The equation was the worst thing is you're going to have a wounded ego. That's a big motivator for me because I do not like to not achieve something and succeed. Mm -hmm. So the worst thing is that you just can't make it work or that you've bitten off more than you can chew and you can't make enough money (laughs) and you have to go and get a job. Still. I knew I was employable. So the risk was just if it fails, it falls over, you've got a tail between your legs, but go and get a job. You're okay. Yeah. So you would just go out and you would take these risks and you would make decisions quite quickly? Yeah, I think so. I do. I do make decisions quickly. It's like you don't give yourself too much time. To reflect. To reflect or dread or the what ifs. I also just get bored quickly, so... I just, it's like, come on, move on. Next decision, let's do it. I like to just jump in and do it. Fail fast. That's fail, my fail fast. Yeah. If someone's going to fall over, just know it's going to fall over. Don't drag it out for like <sighs> twenty months. I I do not like gestating over decisions. I just get bored and lose interest and go, okay, well, mm-hmm. that time has passed. I'm still now. on that learning curve. Mm. I gestate for a really long time. No, I just make decisions. Make decisions fast. You know, I think you've kind of earned that badge of being that boss bitch, I guess, in a sense that it hasn't been an easy road for you. Yes, there were some privileges that you you speak about, but at the end of the day, you worked damn hard and clawed your way up from nothing and from domestic violence. And when we say nothing, we're literally talking about drained bank accounts, Mm. including money boxes, my son's bank account and money box. Yeah. Drained. And and that wasn't Debts. her spending it on uh, face cream, just letting no, you know. No, no. There was no, I will say, there was no $380 moisturisers back then. No, there no. wasn't. And, and so you did work very, very hard to get to where you are and you chose that freedom of running a business for yourself because yeah. you didn't want to compromise. Like you were saying, you really wanted to be able to be the, the mother that you needed to be because you needed to be the mother and the father. Yeah. And you needed that flexibility and not to have to apologize and feel guilty no. for it all the time. No. And there were multiple ways I could have made money. Not really. Not Tell me about all of the ways no. you could have made money. Um, although, if that's your choice and that's what makes you happy, go for it. A whole other episode on that because I'm still on the fence about the sex work industry. Uh, but there are other ways. So, when I started, the business, I had come out of employment with a business that had, it was a small business, so we were under 20 people, but had a big portfolio of clients, very strategic work, and 
a great reputation. And so when I left that business and I took six months off and then ended up not taking a full six months, ended up taking four or five months, I could have just sort of taken any work and just gone, oh, I'm just going to do branding for small businesses, for example. But what I wanted to do was not just earn money. I also wanted to keep the career trajectory going up. And so in my industry, in media, communications, branding, design, whatever you want to call it or whichever segment you're in, you're sort of only ever as good as your last few projects. And so if you have you, to be relevant, you yeah, have it has to be, be relevant. Moving. So if you if you want to work with big organisations or big brands or or just a specific section of the industry, just say you only want to work for not for profits, that that's your bag. If you start doing projects that are not in that space, then when it goes to putting a proposal forward for a big not for profit that you would love to work for, if you don't have relevant case studies or examples of work that you've done in that industry, you just become irrelevant. And so I intentionally wanted to keep that trajectory going while my profile was still relevant. So within, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years. And that's exactly what I did. And I never took smaller jobs, even when potentially that might have boosted income. Oh, the cash flow, right? You didn't sell didn't, out for that. No. So I just for every spare second of my time of which there was not much. I invested both money and mental capacity mm-hmm. into continuing to chase the type of clients that I wanted. Wow. And I always give advice to young people leaving uni in this industry. Mm-hmm. Don't spend too long. You've kind of got two years really, I think, when you leave uni, two years grace period of just sort of working anywhere. If you just work anywhere for too long, you would never get your foot in the door into an industry that you want because you haven't got the experience. Right. And so there's something about having a job versus having a career of passion. Hmm. And that for you is really important, it sounds like. It is. Yeah. And that's different for everyone, but Mm -hmm. I've just always been a very driven person. The work excites me. Of course, with my ADHD hyperfocus, I love getting stuck into big, complex, difficult projects. And so mm-hmm. my work not only delivers the, I suppose, financial sustenance that contributes to the family, but also the a sense of self-worth in tackling big projects and finding solutions mm-hmm. and then seeing the impact of that in industry and to my clients and to everyone involved in that project. That's really emotionally rewarding. And I wonder about, you know, just thinking about the last episode and you're talking about fun, you know, and having enjoyment and, and planning fun. How is that balance for you in your work now? I know that you get that intellectual and creative stimulation from solving those big problems, but what about the enjoyment of the day-to-day in the creative space now? Yeah, it's diminished. Yes, diminished? Yeah. Well, we're 12 years in and I think one of the perils of running your own business Mm -hmm. is, and there's all sorts of own businesses, right? So we've got 16, 15, 16 employees. So obviously there's the people management side of having a business. Then Mm -hmm. there's the feeding the beast pipeline and new business, which, you know, when you have significant overheads, like we do, that's a, like that's becomes a stress. It's not necessarily fun anymore. And then, you know, there's businesses that are just one person, so like yourself, and so you have different pressures or different 
pain points. The joy part becomes really difficult as the responsibility increases because even when we get a new project in, which at times is still really fun, the fun gets diminished somewhat by all the practicalities of timesheets and how much budget have we got and is, you know, is there risk associated to this project? You know, are there reduced timeframes that we have to deliver in? And then there's, you know, the briefing and management internally of all the different people that need to work on the project. And the fact that it, you know, I can just imagine, you know, knowing that I can never kind of catch you on the phone or, you know, catch you for a meeting of any sort, that you bounce from meeting to meeting, from moment to moment without much space in between these days, right? Yeah, so there's not a lot of pausing and then you have multiple projects on the go. The benefit, I suppose, now for me and my role in the business is I do have strong team surrounding me and so Mm -hmm. I don't have to be across absolutely everything but I do need to be super focused on the key projects that are in at the time. So the way the funnel kind of works is I do most of the strategy and then executive creative direction, which means I basically set the tone and the vision for where, for what the solution's going to be mm-hmm. and, and how we're going to capture that. And so I'm mostly involved at the beginning. So I might have three major projects on the go at once. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much headspace I have, you, you might be toggling between a few hours at a time on each project and then trying to find the right space to do the strategic and creative thinking but then still have all the other pressures of, you know, profitability and new business pipeline and all the other challenges that come with with running a business. It sort of diminishes the joy from the project itself. But the the payoff is you're empowered, you're making your own choices, you're you're running the show for yourself. Can I just say I did some self-reflecting the other day. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges Braddy, by the way. You, of running your own business, and I'd imagine that this is whether you have a business with one person or a team of 2,000 people, mm-hmm. hashtag goals. Um, <laughs> hashtag my worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> when you are the sole decision maker for the business, so even though I have a great team around me of people and a partner in my husband who also works in the business too, when you're leading, nobody says, well done and thank you. Oh. Nobody. Nobody says, amazing work, let's, you know, have a chat about all of your successes and wins and celebrate them and, yeah, have the afternoon off. Occasionally staff will say thank you for an event, maybe, like a Christmas party that you might have spent $5,000 on. Mm -hmm. But that's not not really congratulating you on your work. On no, your leadership, nobody, on yeah, your accomplishments. I just can't even remember the last time that within work. So obviously when you run a business, you, you know, have to keep morale up and you want to be supportive and encouraging of everyone in the business, of which I will say, like, I don't really give out compliments willy-nilly. I think my employees would probably say that. Like I'm not, I don't hand them out like candy. Mm-hmm. They've got to be earned. Right, okay. But, but um, there are times where you're proud of your own work but it doesn't get acknowledged because nobody thinks that the boss needs to be acknowledged because they run the company. So that's sort of their job. But sometimes it would be nice to go, hey, 
the work you did on that project. That was really great. I feel like that as just as a side note as a parent sometime, mm. like it would be really nice to hear you're doing an awesome job. Yeah. And I, I recently did hear from my girls are pretty good at acknowledging when I've done a good job and very clear when I've done a crap job. No, I have not, yeah. <laughs> but recently um, my daughter, bless her, was being interviewed for a, a magazine for um, the Australian uh, Conservation Foundation and in that interview she acknowledged me and that she couldn't do this creative work that she's doing, this artwork, without me supporting her moment by moment and I'm like, oh, they do see it. I am acknowledged. Because, yeah, I, I, I get that sense that who who is championing to the poet. Yeah. Yeah, does that right? Our achievements. And are we missing celebrating our strengths and our moments? Maybe that's where. So you can self-advocate, right? Mm-hmm. But is it the same as someone saying, Jade, you're doing, yeah, a really great job? No. It's, I don't feel it so is. So you can say to yourself, hey, that was a really difficult session in counselling, which, oh, my God, I just don't even know how you do that. Hold the space for difficult, mm. complex issues. Also without wanting to punch some people in the face. Yeah, I don't want to punch any of my clients ever, just letting you know. No. But, you know, to not have <laughs> bitch face on when you're listening to stories mm-hmm. or and you have to hold the space for very complex trauma stories. Mm which is traumatic in itself, just listening to that. Mm-hmm. But you might have clients that say, thank you, that was a really great session. Maybe they just leave crying and it's not, that's just the way it is. But yeah. you don't have anyone to say, hey, wow, Jade, like you really managed that exceptionally oh well. Oh, my God, it is, it is actually really, really hard. Now, you know, I, I sometimes walk out of a session and go, uh, I mean, sometimes I walk out and go, oh, that wasn't. I didn't handle that as well as I could have or that that wasn't a great session for whatever the reasons. But sometimes I walk out and I feel so proud of myself for the way I held space or the way, you know, that, that, that they grew or awoke to their insights or whatever it was. But you're right. I just kind of have to go. It's like I look around and there's no one I can tell. There's no one I can share mm. it with. I can kind of say I, I did a good job, but that's it. Until a client actually reflects back and shares it and then in those moments, yeah, the the affirmation is so much more delightful and sweet when it comes from somebody else. And so what are the ways, so given you run a business where it's just you, Mm -hmm. what are the ways that you know you're having impact? Mm. Well, you know, when I feel it is whether a client has reflected back or not, when I actually see people's growth, when I see them soften, when I see them become more aware of themselves and, you know, overcome challenges, that's when I feel like, you know, I'm making a difference and it's worth it. The other way I can think of that I know you've spoken to me about and it is also mirrored in our business is when you get referrals from people you respect. Oh, yes. No, definitely, Amber, that is... 100%. 100%. And because um, you've had referrals from peers, so yeah. psychologists and yeah. other counsellors, and so that must be an amazing recognition of your impact. I have many referrals from other clients 
But then I have other clients that are also mental health practitioners that are then also referring people to me. So that, I guess, is the greatest validation. Most of the work I do, you know, is referral-based. I'm not really, I've never been great with, you know, advertising or promotion or social media, you know, staying up to date with those things. So, yeah, the validation that does come from the referrals is really good. And I guess the same would be said for you, right? Yeah. So we have, I mean, obviously clients say positive things, but not always, obviously, to me, to my team, and that gets filtered across the business. Definitely when a client, when we get a call to say, you know, so-and-so has suggested we give you a call, that's always, you know, the greatest gift, isn't it, or acknowledgement that they trust you. Their profile is built on a reputation of quality also, so to, to be recommended means people think that you're capable and not going to do their profile damage by recommending someone crap. But is that personal enough for you? Uh, you know, I- given for me, it, it is only me, so it is personal, but for you it is. Well, I think one of the one of the things that I think all business owners would be feeling, like whether you're running a plumbing business, a furniture business, a design business, a counselling business, a, you're running a bakery, whatever it is, it's lonely because the only people thinking about this 24 hours a day are you. Mm-hmm. And naturally, people just forget all of the perils and responsibilities. And so much like everything in life, you don't necessarily, you know, thank your partner for all of the things they do. You might just acknowledge like the key milestones. And so when you're running a business, much like you know, your employees, no one's walking around saying, thanks for giving me a job and thanks for not firing me during lockdown and sacrificing your profit margin to keep me employed. No one really cares. They just take for granted that that's happening. Yeah, right. So how do you celebrate it and how do you, you know, when you were reflecting the other day, not well. did you get anywhere (laughs) in your reflections? No. Well, I, I think the insight was it's important to try and find more joy in the work uh-huh. because if we can't find joy in the work, then the business actually just, and this is 12 years in, it just actually becomes an anchor in a drowning way. Yeah. And so I always have to find new ways to reinvent or reinvigorate the business. That's our proposition in fixing mm-hmm. other businesses. People come yeah. to us when their business or brand is in distress. And we help fix it, much like yours, really, but different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need personally to constantly change the business, the proposition. I mean, we're in an industry that you can't really sit still for too long or you just kind of become irrelevant. But trying to find ways to enjoy the work. And over the last 12 months, that's been really hard coming yeah. out of lockdown, like actually going. There's many times where I'm like, I'm just going to shut this shit down. It's just, it's just too hard. It's too much, too tiring. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. It's just that I'm a little bit bored, to be honest, and I'm thinking maybe I just need to get Amber on the phone. So let's see if she can spice it up a bit. All right, I'm going to press dial and put her on speakerphone. Hello? Hello, this call is being recorded for podcast training purposes. Do you accept? I accept. 
lovely. So basically, you know that I was editing the Boss Bitch episode. Yeah. Remember how I said the Boss Bitch episode sounded a bit boring? Sounded like we were just kind of talking about joy and celebration and wasn't very funny? Yes. So basically, I just need you to give me a few sound bites, something that I can inject into the episode where we're a little more exciting. What do you got for me? What's boss bitch? What's funny? No pressure. Yeah, I'm not feeling the pressure. Why can't you inject something funny? This is me injecting something funny. Right. I feel like (laughs) injecting something funny is actually putting pressure onto me inject something funny. (laughs) All right, not something funny. What's boss? Give me some boss bitch sound bite. Um, Being over 40 makes me a boss bitch. Mm, No, I don't like that. Move on. Being able to pay my own wage for 12 years, that makes me a boss bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got that. We've got that in the episode. We've already covered that. Yeah. Well, I need, I need some prompters on what, what have I actually said and what, like, what You've said I? paying your own way. you said mm-hmm. you give less. Oh, what about being a boss bitch is the not following the status quo, All like right. not just accepting the status quo. Ah, not accepting status quo. All right. What does that look like? It's like a rebellious spirit, a bit of a fuck you to convention for the sake of convention. All righty. Yeah. I'll take it. I just needed something to throw in there. If you've got any, like, jokes, random jokes, it's just feeling a bit flat and I just wanted something humorous. I didn't have anything. You're the joker, so. Right. Okay. No pressure. Um, no pressure. This is right. a bit. It's a skit. It's, it's a stint. This is what it's, people are actually going to be. Fast-forwarding. That's what they're going to be hearing, you rambling. They might fast-forward, but if you're funny, they won't. Speaking of fast-forward, there's a really hilarious meme that I think we should put in the links, the show links, um, about listening to training and development videos. And it's, it's a little video of a poodle sitting at a computer desk. Uh, fast-forwarding training and development video and then what makes it funny is you can hear the 15 second you know move as you're moving through your training and development video and then it stops on and then the questionnaire at the end so when you realize yep. you've been skipping through and then there's a questionnaire and you go oh shit now no, I actually have to I go have to back what it was and hope that I pass yeah. that feels like me in life actually. Mm. I just skip through everything and then right at the end somebody gives me the questionnaire and Mm. I I don't know. There are many meetings where I zone out and then someone will say, and so what do you think about that, Amber? And what does a boss bitch do, Amber? Sometimes the boss bitch can just make up something esoteric on the spot that is non-committal and vague enough to just sort of sound like I'm highly intelligent and I'm really pondering what they're talking about. Is that when people use the word juxtapose? Yeah, it could be. I do use the word juxtapose. I also use the word incongruous. If you hear me use the word incongruous, it possibly is because I haven't been listening. She's bullshitting you. She's boss bitch, Um, vague down on you. I think the ultimate boss bitch response in that scenario is actually just having to own it. I might actually just say, I'm really sorry, I just zoned out. Because you bore me to tears. Can you just repeat that question? Look, I'm just not following. Can you reframe that question for me? Can you bring me a croissant and then reframe the question? Because I'm a mm. bit hungry too. I think I've got enough here. All right. Well, um, your semi-precious moment also might be that I've been sitting here at work at my desk 
ready to record a podcast with you and you got on the phone call earlier and said, we're recording today? Yeah. So sorry about this uh, interruption. Yeah, back to the episode. And also gratitude, right? Like when you have a team of people, much like a family, right? When all the family are not showing any gratitude, like you just you're not you're not vibing that. No. Like for anyone who ha- who's who's going through that period with their kids where they are just you know little yeah. assholes, mm-hmm. it's hard to feel like you're. It's fun. Like this is fun. It's like you know, and not saying little assholes and then referring to a newborn baby, but you know, before the newborn baby smiles and you know it might be you know a month where you have just got these sleepless nights and this vomiting screaming creature that is just staring at you blankly and then the first time they smile that's not related to gas okay I'll keep doing it then I'll keep going I'll keep going and and so that that gratitude for the effort and work you're putting in is what you want and to find the joy yeah I think it's that's just human need I try and find humor in every session. I don't think we can just sit with the hard stories all the time that we have to punctuate it with joy. Oh my goodness, I just got a uh, pistachio croissant this morning from the French patisserie around the corner. That was a moment of joy. We need it, more joy. Today wasn't rubbish. I had I had these pistachio moments of croissant. joy. I had a pistachio croissant. I feel like we're running out of time and I forgot to talk about my distaste for the word entrepreneur. Oh, go for it. Yeah. When you hear the word entrepreneur, what do you think of? Uh, I guess I think of somebody brave enough to go out on their own and try something new and give it a go. No, that's not. She's giving me death stares mm. and squinty face. Squinty face, death mm. stares. Okay. You or, don't have a loathing distaste for the way. I, I don't. So tell me okay. why you do and then, um, then maybe I will. <laughs> I feel like it's heavily overused. Like everyone at the moment just seems to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like social media, like I get millions of emails from people wanting to partner yeah. or. I feel like, it, no, 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 the word that really, really makes me want punch. No, influencer. Oh. That makes me want to get yeah, a bit stubby. Get stubby too. But yeah. Um, mumpreneur actually makes me. Well, that makes me want to vomit. Yeah. Because it's saying, oh, if you're not. Just a mum, you can go and do something else. It's offensive. It's offensive. And there it? are <clears throat> networks around mumpreneurs. I feel like it's diminishing. But, like you can but, be a mum and run a business, yeah. or be a mum and an entrepreneur, or you can be a mum and be a mum. And that's or, kind of yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the mumpreneur. Is that what it is? Yeah, mumpreneur. Mumpreneur. I mean, the word itself is annoying, but the fact that, yeah, it's diminishing either of the roles and saying, I know what it's saying, mm. but I don't like it. Yeah, entrepreneur. So back <laughs> okay, to that. go back to that. People describe, have described me as an entrepreneur in the past and I just, it just doesn't, doesn't land with me. Don't like it. I don't like that there's so many people who talk about being an entrepreneur and like on LinkedIn, for example, just the volume of people that say they're entrepreneurs. I feel like it's just a broad sweeping statement but doesn't is it like you can be a business owner i feel like it's trying to glorify business ownership in a way that makes you seem cooler and more innovative than potentially you actually are and business ownership is really tough it's not a okay so maybe it is what it means to you to be a business owner and how and how hard that you have worked 
and the journey you have taken is not just something small and easily dismissed and lighthearted and I could have it or not have it. It is your whole heart and soul and life and struggle and risk and yeah, I feel like it just it talks to the veneer of business ownership, but in a really wanky yeah, it diminishes the actual work. And maybe it only relates to certain industries. Like, do plumbers talk about themselves as being entrepreneurs or like bakers? Dad, dadpreneurs. Yeah, like yeah. there wouldn't be a dadpreneur. <laughs> there wouldn't be because there's probably just the assumption that dads just do business. So. So if you are a mum and you do run a business, I'd really encourage you to avoid using the term. Because <laughs> it's just going to annoy my sister, so basically don't do no, just, it. Don't diminish no, yourself. Don't just, diminish yourself. And also if you are a mum, which let's face it, is still a very difficult job but just without the income attached to it. Yeah, it's a it's a poorly paid job. Poorly paid yeah, job. But it's still a job and that's mm. okay to be doing that job. Yes, Alrighty, so is there anything you, semi-precious moment? No, I still haven't thought of anything. You haven't thought of anything? No. Have you thought of yeah. one? I, I, well, I thought of one for you. Okay. Can I Go. share it? Yeah. Um, so in the last episode you were talking about maybe getting your eyebrows tattooed mm-hmm. and I think that's a good idea because you really have no really eyebrows. insignificant eyebrows. Um, but just before when you kind of stretched and touched your face, you wiped your eyebrow all the way up your face. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is why I need You're drawn on. And thankfully why we're also not videoing uh, the entire. Yeah. So it's good. So now you have a giant brown angry line up your face and I've just been staring at it the whole time. You could have told me that before we hit record on this episode. No, no, no. You did it just a moment ago in oh, record. I think you're just validating the reason I need to get them tattooed. Yeah, I am. Mm. Mm. Okay. Anyway, uh, mine was something that happened a couple of weeks ago. Really just a funny little story that I wanted to share, but it was awkward. I was walking my dog uh, along a path next to my kid's school and a group of little girls were playing close by the fence and I was talking on the phone to our mother, not really paying attention to what was happening, and my dog went over and uh, cocked his leg, his boy dog, onto the little girl's playing on the other side of the fence wanting to pat him. It's just a, a oh. wire fence and he weed on one of the little girls <gasps> and I didn't know what to do. So I kind of pretended not to really notice and just walked away really quickly with my dog. That's a bad and citizenship. I, well, you know, I didn't know what I could really do. It was kind of just a little bit on her stockings and and I walked away but then I had to walk back as the bell was ringing and my daughter's class is right on the outside edge and the little girl seemed like she could have been about the same age as my daughter. So She's I tried to. in her class and now. I know. And so my daughter saw me and started waving, mum, mum, hi, mum, mm. that's my dog. And I just kind of ran away. And later that day she said, mummy, why didn't you stop and wave when I was outside the class? I'm like, oh. Honestly, I don't even I know what to say to that. I didn't know what just... to Hopefully she just took her stockings off and it's just a little bit cold for the day. But I'm sorry to that little girl. Mm. I didn't know what else I don't to do. I think it that's was a semi-precious moment. I, I feel like that's offensive that you're even trying to wedge it into this segment. I know. I said it was more like a little story. Yours mm. was semi-precious because you have eyebrows halfway up your head. <laughs> I would prefer <laughs> my dodgy eyebrows to, to the dog wing on a girl story. So, yeah. so should we just delete it? Yeah, it's just I gone. Think this, that bit's just going to get edited out. Oh, alrighty. We well, haven't discussed this, but I've decided on. What episode six is going to be about? Oh, good. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, friendships. 
Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So okay. friendships sort of as you get older. I'm not going to define age, but just what happens to those friendships and how you bring back the fun. You sort of lose spontaneity with your friendships. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you I feel like loose. I want to go on a tangent now, but we're not going yeah, to. No, cutting people loose mm-hmm. um, and sort of the existential crisis that goes with friendships as you age. And being cut loose. Oh, mm. yeah. Okay. Not full loose, but no, mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about there. There is. So if you'd like to listen to more of our ramblings, follow and subscribe on your podcast platform. Full word podcast. Full words. So thanks for listening and until next time, embrace your uncut and unpolished selves. Bye. Bye. This podcast represents the personal opinions of Amber and Jade. No content should be taken as advice or recommendations.